Now, in the face of huge budget deficits, Victoria University of Wellington and Otago University are working together in this instance, to save their language courses. It's a potential solution for languages that were on track to be disestablished at the end of this year and will now be able to continue through a collaborative teaching model. Professor Nick Smith is the Vice-Chancellor at Teheringawaka, Victoria University of Wellington, and he joins me now. Hello there, Professor Smith. Yeah, kia ora, Jesse. I usually just use people's first name. I'm not sure why I called you Professor Smith there. Nick, you answered a Nick, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the show today. This sounds quite dramatic. Is it a dramatic move? I think it's quite an exciting move from my perspective. I mean, we are bringing together two of our leading universities and we are finding a way to combine out the different uh, things that we offer to provide an opportunity for students and also give certainty to staff who in the current sector, as you outlined in your introduction, um, is a really challenging time. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's very positive. I think it's quite small in its starting position, but something that could be expanded for the benefit of everybody. What exactly will you be doing and how will it work? So um, how it's working is that uh, we're each deciding to offer uh, a different set of languages, and we're then making those courses available to students at both universities. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to work on creating a, a exciting way to deliver those courses, which will be remote in, in both cases. Um, but the Otago students will stay as Otago students and be Otago students. The uh, Victoria students will stay as uh, Vic students and, and be our students. But we will be able to access expertise in both universities to offer a wider suite in the first instance of language courses but I think it's something that has the potential to expand into other areas as well. Which languages are you each handing over to each other? So we're offering German in the first instance, and Otago is going to do Latin and Greek, again, in the, in the first instance. Uh, why has it come to this? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. Um, and uh, as I've talked about, actually, on RNZ before, we have a funding system which has unfortunately resulting in, in sometimes people competing and producing the same course, sometimes in the same place, but also in this case, institutions cutting the same courses because they're not sustainable in either place. Yet, you know, in the areas of, of things like languages, there is actually a strategic importance for us retaining capability for the country as a whole. Um, and so when I sat down with Helen Nicholson, who's my counterpart at Otago, and we said, actually, while neither of us can solve that problem by ourselves, perhaps we could solve it collectively together. Um, and it was with um, a lot of goodwill on both sides and um, some quite inventive thinking that we've come up with a way now we think of working together, which, again, from my perspective, is really exciting. You don't have to move to Dunedin to uh, learn Greek and Latin? No. No, no, you would stay a, a student uh, at, at my university. Um, Greek and Latin is an important component for classics and the whole variety of things that come from that, that you would be able to uh, access that um, expertise in that course, which is embedded in Otago, and, and similarly for German. Okay. But we see opportunities in, in things like conflict and peace studies, where there's huge expertise in Otago and um international relations, which we're very strong in. And so we, we see it as, as a starting point 
um, and something that we hope we can build on. Do you think there'll be further announcements? Uh, it, the university cycle is such that we have to be very clear for both our staff and our students um, for what we're, what we're offering uh, in upcoming years. And so we're going to pilot this for 24, but I think in 25 and, and beyond, and potentially involving other institutions if they're willing around New Zealand, um, I, I would love to see more announcements in this space. Mm. Leading towards what? Maybe just one organisation that has different campuses around New Zealand? Yeah, there's always that concern. There's always that sense that this is going to somehow be some mega merger, and I don't see that. What I see is we have eight autonomous institutions who each have a range of courses that um, serve the, the communities of students who come to those courses. But there are certainly courses which um, don't need and can't be sustained at every university but are important for the country. And again, languages are, are one of a few other examples in that space. Um, and there are areas where there is genuine national leading expertise. And in those places, I think that's where the collaboration would happen. But I think... Uh, it's important that universities maintain their distinctive autonomy um, and offer, you know, a, a big chunk of, of what their student experience is as independent institutions. Why is it important for a university to retain its autonomy and, and I guess, a less popular word, its brand? Yeah, I mean, the autonomy is about being able to be a, a critic in conscience uh, for society. And you could still do that if you're all part of one organisation, though. In fact, you might even be stronger. Well, the evidence of the Polytech merger is that that hasn't gone well, and actually the economies of scale are far more difficult to unpick than certainly was thought in that space. Um, but also, you know, our universities are distinctive and, and rightfully so. We have medical schools and only two universities at the moment. We have engineering schools in a smaller number. And, you know, we're a, a, a country where we need to invest the money we spend on expensive infrastructure wisely. Um, and so sometimes you want the serendipity that grows around a particular institution to be separate. Yes, to contribute and yes, to collaborate, which is what we're focusing on here, but not necessarily to be governed from a single centralised source. And uh, there are very few models around the world where that has worked well, and I don't think that will particularly be an advantage to New Zealand as a whole. So what will be the limits of your collaboration with Otago? How do you set boundaries or, I guess, um, red lines to make sure that you get the best of collaboration without the worst? Yeah, it has to be a win for everybody. It has to be expertise that is distinctive and, and valuable in uh, just one institution. And... There are many examples I could give across all eight New Zealand universities where that uh, appears. And it probably has to be something where it's important for the country that there is not enough demand in any one institution to sustain it there economically. Um, and if it meets those criteria, then I think there's value for everybody. It's valuable for the institutions, but also valuable for the students um, and, and value for, for Aotearoa um, to be able to retain that by this process. You used that word sustainable before, and is... Why was Greek and Latin sustainable at Victoria 10 years ago when it isn't anymore? The student demand has dropped. Why? Um, because I think, you know, to some extent courses come in and out of fashion. Um, and in other cases, um, there is just the, the trends that we need to respond to. 
and, and Greek and Latin might not want to be the example you want to use, but if you look at um, some of the fundamental science, some of the fundamental epidemiology that drove COVID, that had centres of excellence across New Zealand, if you look at um, the, the, the geopolitics of um, whether it's Southeast Asia or Eastern Europe, it's very hard to anticipate what we need as a country until we need it. And universities are an incredibly important resource for maintaining our ability to respond to our needs and to be resilient as a whole. So you don't always want to be uh, defining what universities can offer based on fashions of students who are, understandably have a short time frame. When you want to include research capability and the ability to contribute to society on sometimes years, sometimes decades. Um, so, so I'm not sure the model serves us well in terms of actually determining what the right mix is, and I'd yeah, like to yeah. do it more. So the so this is all about student demand and, and nothing to do with policy changes or government um, decisions that may have made it more difficult for you to continue operating these courses. Well, universities have a have a pretty complex set of cross subsidies where money that's earned in one course is used to subsidise another course. Um, and that's been true of universities for many years. But as the, the funding of universities has diminished in real terms, we've been funded at about half the rate of inflation for over a decade, our capacity to do that cross-subsidisation has become more and more challenging. And so therefore the courses that have required very large cross-subsidisation, often because student numbers have dropped as I've outlined, um, have been the ones that we are unable to sustain in every every university. So I think there's also there's also a question of you know should we have every course being offered in every university? Should we have you know eight universities with with seven law schools and, and another which still offers law as well? I mean maybe we do, but let's make that decision consciously rather than a competitive model which is funded on bums on seats rather than what we we need for the country as a whole. How long have you been Vice-Chancellor? About nine months now. Okay. Is it harder than you thought it was going to be? (laughs) Uh, It's a huge honour to lead any uh, institution. I'm um, sure it is. What's the hardest part of the job? um, I don't really think about it in terms of that. I I genuinely think it's a privilege and, you know, I I come to work every day and, and get to work with extraordinary people who indulge sometimes ignorant questions from me because we believe we're working in common good. Um, I think it has been hard watching precious capability um, leave the sector as we've had to um, respond to some of the financial challenges that we have, and it's hard to see how that's affected the lives of our staff and colleagues and and their whanau and family and how that cascades through, and I really hope we can see see that through the other side. You had much pushback Um, about this decision, Nick? Um, understandably, people are really upset. People are, are upset that for things outside their control, um, their jobs and their livelihoods and their expertise is, can no longer find a place in our institution. I think that's absolutely tragic. So, so yes, people have expressed that to me and I completely understand why. Um, thanks very much for telling us all about it today and best of luck. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate it. Professor Nick Smith, who's Vice-Chancellor at Te Ranga Waka, uh, Victoria University of Wellington, talking about new collaboration with Otago University so that they can each continue uh, to offer, can each continue to offer certain courses.